1: Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at BuffaloRumblings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. Since our last episode, the Buffalo Bills 2020 schedule was was released with all their primetime games, all their exposure in December. Three, maybe even four nationally televised games in the month of December during the final playoff run. Lots to talk about with the schedule, and some of your questions reflect that. We've also got other questions going on around uh, the fifth-year options that teams are picking up or choosing not to pick up from the 2017 NFL draft. Lots of other questions as well around the offseason, COVID-19, what's going to happen with the NFL as always, get your questions in at 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at rumblingsq QA. Email is rumblings at SBNation.com. Leave comments in the comments section at BuffaloRumlings.com, Facebook, Instagram, lots of ways to get in touch with us on those areas as well. Most people are talking about the schedule release today, and we're not going to go through line by line and game by game. Uh, Some of the other podcasts on the network have done that, uh, but that was closer to when the schedule actually came out. Uh, What we've been focusing on over at BuffaloRumLinks.com is looking at it from every angle. The the home and away games, the uh, primetime games that are on the schedule, Uh, just looking at different avenues of it. I will say one thing about the schedule, unprompted though, is that I'm going to be very disappointed if fans aren't in the stands for these games. There is just a great number of road trips on this schedule, whether you're talking about going to Nashville again or San Francisco, which is the city I love, uh, Las Vegas, so many great opportunities for travel for Bills fans this year, and it's looking more and more like some of those, at least, aren't going to happen, so that's really disappointing. At the same time, we're talking about the Bills having four primetime games, including two primetime games in Buffalo and Orchard Park, and if Bills fans aren't able to pack the stadium on those nights, it's just going to lose a lot of its luster. So uh, that's really all I'm going to say about the schedule until we get into some of these questions later, Uh, but that's what's on a lot of people's minds this week is, is my thoughts on the schedule, and I'm just hoping that they end up playing those games with fans in the stadium or in some way, shape, or form. I don't know what that's going to look like or what that's going to sound like, but it's going to really stink if there's Bill's home night games in December and they get no home field advantage out of it and Bill's fans are, you know, robbed of that opportunity that they have constantly been complaining about. So let's turn it over to some of your questions right now. And let's stick with the schedule. Um, Chris asks us at Rumblings Q&A, do you think the NFL plays a full season? And if not, how might that affect the Bills' chances? I think the Bills are probably going to play a full season. I don't know if it necessarily starts on September 13th. It may start later than that. But I do think that everything's trending towards NFL teams being able to play seasons. Um, There's just too much money involved for them to uh, sit on the sideline i don't know what that means i don't know if that means all the teams are you know in say some hubs around the nfl you have a hub in say let's just say dallas texas where there's six teams staying and they play a round robin of games or even four teams staying and they play a round robin of games uh in one stadium you don't have fans something like that i I think that the NFL is going to get their games in one way or the other. Uh, maybe they have to push them back to October. Maybe they have to push them back to the middle of October or the end of November or something like that. But I think there's going to be an NFL season this year. Uh, I don't. I can't guarantee it's going to be 16 games. I definitely don't think fans are going to be in the stadium, at least not you know, packed NFL stadiums like we're used to seeing. So um, that's just my opinion. I don't ha- Obviously, I don't know what's going on in in all the localities around the. You know 30 nfl cities that are out there so um right now uh nfl facilities are closed if one of them has to be closed by a mandatory government order all of them are supposed to be closed we'll see how long that that sticks around if there's you know one or two teams that are drag are, are in places where uh, governors or mayors or whoever are dragging their heels on reopening um you might see some pressure from the other 30 NFL owners to to get some of these places open, um, even if they have to move teams. Um, like, just here's a for instance: the the Raiders' offices are still located in California, even though their stadium is in Las Vegas. If Las Vegas is open and California is closed, there's going to be some pressure on the the Raiders to move from Oakland so that they can get their facilities open at some point so even if you see a couple teams have to move to say like you know a training camp facility or I mean uh, maybe it's a closer to like spring training in baseball where they have to move their entire operation to a different state just so they can start work um, on the offseason I, I think we might we might see that as well but um, I, I do think there's going to be some semblance of a season this year um, but it's probably not going to involve as many fans as as we hope. Thanks for your question over on Twitter at Rumlinks Q and A. Sticking on Schedule Talk. What do you think are the two easiest and two hardest games on the schedule? That comes in from Be Mormon2020 on Twitter. Let me start by saying I think the Bills have a very difficult schedule, not because of you know the scheduling gods or, or whatever. I think they just play a lot of really good teams this year. So does everybody else in the AFC East. That's why their goal really should be winning the division because um, that team might be nine and seven or ten and six. Uh, seeing these people come out with you know the Bills going 12 and four this year, I think is kind of a pipe dream. Um, I'm I'm probably leaning towards 10 and six right now, um, but that wins the AFC East in my opinion just because of how many good teams are going to be on the schedules in the AFC East. Um, as far as the easiest games on the Bills' schedule, I think it's week one and week two. Uh, just like last year when they got off to their really hot start, uh, I think they were 5-1 and one after six games, the Bills need to put wins on the board against the Jets and Dolphins. With this shortened offseason, those two teams who are really relying on brand new pieces to come in and play significant roles in their offense and on their team in general, I think the Jets and Dolphins are going to still need some seasoning. They're still going to need some time to put everything together. Um, they, the Jets lost their top court, um, wide receiver for quarterback Sam Darnold, and and kind of had to remake their entire offense. They still have Adam Gase, which doesn't inspire confidence in me that he can put them together in a shortened training camp uh, I, without any offseason. Uh, in Miami they just have so many new pieces so to bring them together by week two just seems like a stretch and so I think those are probably the two easiest games on the schedule considering that the Bills have so much continuity between last year and this year um, plus they have such a, a stifling defense that they're going to really be able to shut down the Jets offense the Dolphins offense early on in the season so I think those are the two easiest games on the schedule i um, the two most difficult games on the schedule. I mean, the Bills play the the, the AFC championship game teams back-to-back in a five-day stretch uh, early on in the season in weeks five and six. They play at the Tennessee Titans on their home on Thursday night football against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I'm actually pretty psyched that they get the Chiefs on Thursday night football because it gives Andy Reid less time to prepare for that game. Um so I think that that stretch, um, maybe even going all the way back to week three with the Rams, you know, the Rams come to Buffalo, then it's the Bills at the Raiders, then it's the Bills at the Titans, then home on a short week against the Chiefs on Thursday night football. That four-game stretch is going to be tough. Um, and if, you know, they can go 2-2 two and two in that stretch, I'll be ecstatic, especially if they start 2-0 and oh, and they end that first six weeks 4-2, and two, going into a couple extra days of rest heading into the Jets. Um, and then they face the Patriots in that first match in Week Eight. I, I think that stretch is really tough uh, from Week Three to Week Six, and certainly uh, Weeks Four, Five, Six, traveling to Vegas, traveling to Tennessee, and then on a short week in Kansas City or at home against Kansas City. Uh, so those are, you know, my picks for the the toughest and the easiest games on the schedule. Thanks for asking that question, Be Mormon Twenty. Last bit on the schedule before we take a break. And uh, talk about some of the roster things Going on with the Bills uh, At Poppy Del Semuelo Asks us Worst case and best case Realistic scenarios and finishing records 9 and 7 and then 12 and 4 for me But we'll feel We'll end up somewhere in the middle ground Of the two Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. I just said that 10 and 6. If you look at the teams the Bills are playing, you know, the Patriots, uh, for instance, had the NFL's easiest schedule in 2019. And right now, they have the NFL's most difficult schedule. And that doesn't even include travel. It just talks about win-loss percentage from a year ago. So the AFC East playing the NFC West, which was a very difficult division last year, and the AFC West, which was a very difficult division last year, uh, even with the down year from a, a couple teams like the, the, the Chargers, uh, for instance. Uh, everybody's getting on the same page out in the AFC West. We've got you know, the defending Super Bowl champions. You've got the Broncos who made a, a late playoff push. You've got the Las Vegas Raiders who look to be very good this year after acquiring a multitude of picks in the first round and second round and third round over the last few years and really building their team from the ground up, not to mention the improvements by the Dolphins and Jets. I just think it's a very difficult schedule and anybody who comes out of the afc east is going to be battle tested which why i'm i keep going coming back to a 10 and 6 11 and 5 is going to win the division and i'm hoping it's the bills because it's going to be difficult to make the afc wild card race from the afc east with so many difficult uh teams and games on the schedule thanks for your question over at RumLinks q and a when we get back from the break we'll start talking about things that aren't on the schedule. So stay tuned.
2: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
1: All right, let's head over to the phone lines at 716
2: Hey, this is uh, Dave Summers from San Jose. Last year, Josh Allen was able to uh, uh, improve himself during the offseason. So that, in fact, at least my opinion, he came into uh, week one. Of, of this season better than he had been in the last game of the uh, previous season. Um, but now he's got to deal with the coronavirus. Um, do you think that limits how much progress he can make over the off offseason? Uh, let me know what you think.
1: Hi, Dave. Thanks for calling in and leaving your question on the voicemail line this week. I do think it's going to affect Josh Allen, uh, and especially his chemistry with Stephon Diggs. Um, Luckily, Diggs is an established NFL player, and he knows what's expected of him. He knows how to prepare himself. He knows how to put in the work, as opposed to a rookie coming in and trying to do the same thing. So that'll help them be on the same page. That's in contrast to what I just said earlier in this episode about the New York Jets, who drafted a wide receiver. They don't have that same... background knowledge to fall back on. Um, So I do think it's going to affect some chemistry a little bit, but not as much as, say, other teams. The Bills have a nice core from last year that they're returning, all five starters on the offensive line. Uh, They've got a a rookie at running back, but he's going to be backing up Devin Singletary, especially to start. And so the Bills have a lot of consistency and continuity they have the same offensive coordinator same defensive coordinator same head coach same quarterback same guy calling the uh, plays on defense they just have so much of the same things the same secondary and so I'm not really worried about that necessarily with Josh Allen as much as I would be if I was the Miami Dolphins with a rookie quarterback or the New York Jets with a, a rookie wide receiver and a bunch of new guys on the offensive line so that's kind of where I'm at and then I mean that even ignores what's going on in New England with the Patriots and you know what happened with their quarterback situation and everything kind of turning over up there so I'm not as worried as I would be if I was on another team but it certainly is you know a piece of the conversation for this offseason that that the Bills and Josh Allen aren't going to have as much time with each other as as they would have in the past do I think it's going to really affect his ability to take that next step as a quarterback I don't um I've been in plenty of situations where I've done something for multiple years and I just always feel more comfortable the more I do it. Even if we don't get all of these off-season practices, they'll still get some semblance of what a training camp is going to look like. Um, They'll have an opportunity to get on the field before the first game and so they, they will have a chance to build that chemistry. And he will have a chance to make better decisions. Maybe this is going to help his processing. Maybe this is going to help his off the field or, or mental aspects of the game or, or something like that to make up for the lack of you know, on-field time. But really, even right now, they wouldn't be on the field at all um, outside of veteran minicamp um, uh, for a long time. So we're still in the weight training part of, of OTAs. Uh, they're not really missing a whole lot because they're still able to do their classroom work that they would have been doing before. Thanks for your question on our voicemail line at 716 Back to Twitter, where Walter Trey White asks us, any thoughts on the eventual Bills' interest in the batch of first-rounders who aren't getting their fifth-year options? Brief primer on the fifth-year option. If you were drafted in 2017, you signed a four-year contract with a team option for a fifth year. It averages you the salary of the top 32 players at the position that you play. Um, and it, it's guaranteed, fully guaranteed at this time of exercising. So the the Bills exercise the fifth-year option on Tredavious White. They keep him around for somewhere in the neighborhood of $11 million. Um just this offseason, we saw Shaq Lawson move on because he was a free agent after just four years because the previous offseason, the Bills didn't exercise their fifth-year option. So it just is a team option for a fifth-year um, at a reduced rate from the franchise tag, but at a higher ta- a higher rate than they would have normally been making on a, f- a fifth-year of a hypothetical rookie deal. So let's take a look at some of the players that were not tendered their fifth-year option and uh, see if the Bills might be interested in any of them a year from now. That's the question at hand. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, I don't think the Bills would be interested in. Uh, Solomon Thomas from the uh, San Francisco 49ers, I don't think they'll be interested in him. Uh, Leonard Fournette, maybe, depends on what his price is going to be. Um, But the Bills have two young running backs, so they're under multi-year contracts as it is right now. They don't really need another guy. Corey Davis from the Tennessee Titans has underwhelmed. Uh, So those guys in the top 10 that were declined, I don't necessarily think that the Bills would be interested in any of them, really. Uh, So we have to look a little bit further down. John Ross from the Bengals is a guy I could see the Bills bringing in um, on one of those mid-tier free agent contracts that they love to sign. Uh, He's not going to be your number one guy, but he could certainly come in and uh, be a player on your roster. He was picked uh, ninth overall by the Bengals uh, a little bit further down the line. Um, let's look at uh, Malik Hooker, the Colts' fr- uh, safety. He's another guy that um, is interesting to me because of his pedigree. Uh, hasn't done enough in Indianapolis for them to to tag him at uh, – 7 million dollars which is not very much uh but the bills do have micah hyde coming to the end of his contract so you never know as far as bringing in a young guy in the middle of his career uh to maybe play um and overperform in buffalo where he underperformed somewhere else further down the list uh None of these names jump out at me as someone of the Bills would be interested in uh, Garrett Bowles, the offensive tackle from Denver, uh, Gerard Davis, the linebacker from the Lions, and Charles Harris, the defensive end from the Falcons, Gary Conley, the cornerback from the Texans. You know, if he's going to come in like another former first round pick of the Houston Texans, Kevin Johnson was a great add by the bills as a former first round pick who was often injured, but came in for the bills and played well on a very low salary contract. So that would be great if the bills could do that again. Um, Takaris McKinley from the uh, Falcons. To Taco uh, Charlton from the Miami Dolphins and Dallas Cowboys. I do not see the bills going after him. Uh, The last one that was declined was Ruben Foster from Washington. So not a whole lot of players that you look at and be like, yeah, the Bills definitely need to go out and get that player to get better. But there is value in those players and going out and getting former first round picks that have underperformed is one way to, I don't know, bring along a roster later because those guys have great potential in a lot of cases, they have great measurables. Maybe they learned a lesson the hard way at their first team, and they're coming in and looking for another chance. So I think, you know, mining former first-round picks from other teams is is a good strategy. And you've seen Brandon Bean do that. Um, not quite as much as Doug Whaley loved doing it, but you've seen Brandon Bean do that with fir- former first-round picks and former even second-round picks, uh, going and getting a guy that tested well, that they remember, that they have done scouting on years earlier that they can say plug in and maybe in a reduced role can can be successful uh, on a new team thanks for your question over at Q and a on Twitter that's going to do it for this week's episode get your questions in for next week's episode subscribe to the Buffalo Rumlings channel wherever you get your podcasts and you'll get all of ours in your feed (laughs) As always, please leave your questions for next week's episode at 716 508 You can tweet us at Q and a on Twitter, email Rumlings at com. send us messages on Facebook or Instagram. We'll be doing some fun stuff this offseason with all of our social media platforms so we can get some fresh new angles at you uh, and try to get some new content up during this uh, very strange time in the NFL calendar. We don't know what's next, but we'll be here answering questions about it and sharing our opinion. Go Bills!